0: Thanks to HelloFresh.com for supporting PC Perspective. Receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PCPER30. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective podcast. This is episode 491 being recorded on March 14th, 2018. I'm Ryan
1: Schrell. I'm Josh
0: Walrath, And I'm Alan Malentano. And over to the side we have Jim and Alex. Do we have a camera? Do we do have a camera. No, okay. we don't have a camera on tonight. Oh, There's okay. Ken and house? Trust no, Ken. me, uh, Ken's not here. Ken is on a vacation or some crap. What? Uh, I know, right? Yeah. You What's know,
1: that? I'm missing. I'm missing the agitation in between Ken and Alex.
0: <laughs> and then uh, Jeremy. I apparently I don't. Jeremy's gone. I don't know. Probably not forever. But he is gone tonight. Hopefully not. He, he
1: was going to go launch some sounding rockets at the Northern Light.
0: <laughs> well, okay, okay. All right. That sounds like a Canadian thing. I'll jive I'll with that. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Um, we're recording live at pcper.com slash live. That's a URL you can go to. It's got a chat room. It's got a live feed. Um, we record the show there. So you can get a, you can get a sneak peek. Of the show as it's recorded in real time. So you don't have to wait for that annoying RSS feed to come out the day or two days later, whatever it happens to be. Or the YouTube video to to encode. None of that stuff is necessary uh, when you watch it live. And it's a whole lot of fun. So if you go to uh, pcpro.com slash subscribe, you get this little page here. That basically says, hey, if you want a little notification, you want us to send you an email uh, before we do one of these live streams, which is every Wednesday. But also we do – we will occasionally do other ones as well. um, You're welcome to do that. All we do is ask for your name and your email and we send you an email (laughs) to your email (laughs) and your name and stuff. Uh, We also still have our Patreon campaign going. This is at patreon.com slash pcper. And here is uh, your avenue if you wish to – Directly contribute to the website and to the guys who are, are writing for it, right so if you run an ad blocker, if you think uh, the videos we create are worth a damn, uh, the content that we write is worth a damn, if you want to uh, continue to support stuff we do extra like the mailbag or whatever, you can do that here it's a dollar a month three, five, ten, twenty dollars a month up to whatever you want uh, and is always this, as is always the case if you become a new contributor and/ or increase your contribution uh, during the live stream. I will give you a shout-out on the show. And I think nothing is better in this world than having your name mentioned or whatever you put in the name field of that form mentioned on the PC Perspective podcast. Ever mentioned. Nothing ever. Nothing. You may have noticed this awesome T-shirt I'm wearing today that is a callback to, what, 2011? Did we decide? Uh, QuakeCon? This is a a, – wrong way. (laughs) Death Wish Raid t-shirt, which for those of you who – maybe you young kids don't realize hard drives are spinning disks and they have a propensity to fail. So – and if you put two of them in a Raid Zero configuration, you are essentially doubling your chances of failure. Uh, Hence the term Death Wish Raid. You remember who coined that term? It was Colleen. Yeah. Um, So if you go to uh, – darn – Bit.ly slash PCPerMerch. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Bit.ly slash PCPerMerch. You get this page here where you can buy said Death Wish Raid shirt or you can get uh, just a PC Perspective logo T-shirt or you can get a Hot Dog Down (laughs) a Hallway T-shirt. Josh's favorite. You can get a PC Perspective mug, which I didn't realize, but Ken has apparently inverted it so that it's no longer just a blue paint with a white logo. It is now the blue logo, which probably makes more sense. And you can
1: still wear that. You can still, yes, yeah. mm.
0: week, yeah. can, still, can still wear the mug. Yes, we talked about that last week, I believe. We can still wear the mug. There is also off-screen here Super Pipe as well. Death Wish Raid. You know, surprisingly, the PC perspective, the classic T-shirt has been the most popular seller. I thought Death Wish Raid or Hot Dog down a hallway, but apparently we don't have listeners or viewers as perverted as Josh, which I I guess looking back retroactively, retrospectively, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, say it's probably uh, little, better
1: for your your monetary income.
0: I'm a, well, I'm a little disappointed. I thought there would be more hot dog down a hallway. And if you don't understand the reference, we're not going to get into it here. All right. Uh, we also have uh, the mailbag. Josh did our mailbag last week. This is uh, did I? number. Or did we have the wrong link in here? No, this is right. Yeah. Wow. March ninth. It's pronounced Gosh. Berger. Berger. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't Who watch a it. Uh, this is uh, where we answer some questions from you, uh, and I guess I'm gonna have to watch this last one because Ryan Josh versus Ryan fight it sounds pretty interesting. Um, I don't want to know. Nobody give me the secret. Don't no spoilers, nope. please. Uh, this is basically a 20 minute video where we answer questions submitted through the YouTube channel or through our comments on the site, and I think they, I think it's pretty fun. Uh, and this is directly made possible because of that Patreon. So there you go. Now you know. Uh, before we get into <clears throat> Excuse me. Our first story. Wait. Let's go through the let's go through the email board here. Uh, Patrick Norton's beard is really hot, like a dad, like in a dad kind of way. <laughs> Just pledged five dollars. Thank you, Patrick. Got, Norton's he beard. does have a thick, thick
1: beard. It's nice. I'm. I'm He's not. He's got so. nothing on his head. It makes so you wonder. Like took unlike so long me, to grow who who yeah. If I yeah. grew a beard, it would be like one of those wispy Fu Manchu things. Well, sure. Yeah. Might as, as well. Look, awful and like the cat would be able to lick it off without
2: this is 12 days issue.
0: of not shaving right so, here
2: so i uh anybody else who has seen patrick norton's beard lately like they would have seen like you know just you know watching a show he's on oh like he's got a beard now or whatever i hadn't been watching any of his content like admittedly and then i went and i visited him <laughs> so my
0: first thing was just like walking up to him mm-hmm. and he just had this just insane. He looks like know. a different person with it. I think yeah. that's probably the same for most people. Uh, we also yeah. have... Mr. Norton. Uh, Steve's yeah. Cat is Awesome. Edited their pledge from $10 to $13. Steve's Cat is Awesome. You know, I can say that from personal experience. Steve's Cat is Awesome. Steve's Cat is Awesome. And then we have uh, I guess <laughs> a, it takes a drink. Thor Michael Wood, which maybe that's... A, I think that might be a real one. Thor... I would name my kid Thor now at this point. That's sure. that's that's popular enough. Thor Michael Wood, or maybe it's a joke I don't get. I'm sorry, Michael, either way. Or Thor Michael, either way. I pledged $5, so thank you very much, Thor, for that. I've always wanted to say that out loud as well. All right, let's jump into the content. We have a lot of stuff to get to. Um, you'll notice that what we have uh, like the A&B security stuff after the reviews. We have the GeForce partner program stuff after the reviews, so... If you're looking for those topics, they're they're going to be here. So uh, just you can kind of see the rise and fall thing down there. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. In the in the, yeah, in yeah. the, in the so all right. Let, but let's start with um, products, actual products, hardware. Uh, Intel Optane SSD 800P review. Um, capital P, capital P. It's right there in the title. Uh, the oddities immediately. This is a 58 gig and a 118 gig drive. Those are oddities. They are oddities. So this is essentially M. Dot two. SSDs uh-huh. uh, that are in between the Optane memory, which was the caching system, yeah. and the 900P, which was the PCIe add-in card. Yes. Uh, and this sits between those both in terms of capacity, uh, in terms of price, in terms of performance in so some are they, areas. So are, th- are these M.2? Yes. They're
2: M.2 uh, PCI Express. Uh, two. two. By two. two. Okay. Yes. Two lanes.
0: Okay. Hence the double
1: uh, uh, key. The, they got the double key, yeah. Yeah, because it's not full 4X NVMe. Right, right.
2: and BME. It the, still
0: seems unnecessary to have the double keys. Am, uh, I, am I missing something? Because yeah, like, the double keys used to mean MSATA,
2: right? No, MSATA is a different, completely different kind of okay. socket. It
0: yeah, just doesn't seem necessary. You do double keying unless you absolutely
1: need buy four, then you get rid of one of the keys. But you so, always, so what happens to the keys in MSATA? Because I swore that they were too keys that look just like well, for, that. For by4 you kind of need one of the keys to be gone because that's
2: where the pins are. Well yeah, but like that's you okay, there's actual sure. pins that are transferring okay. data, right? Um, but if you're going to do by2, you wouldn't do by2 and not do the extra key because you're just skipping a, a possibility of not being able to plug into something that was a by2 only slot or some some you know, it's like a backwards compatibility thing right. with early M.2 slots. Yep. or sockets. Anyway, um, this is the same exact form factor uh, for those as Optane memory. memory. So that was also keyed the same way. It was yep. also actually the layout was. I mean, you might as well just skip to like the second page.
0: Well, I want to talk um, about the specs real fast, right? So it's PCIe three okay. by two M. dot two fifty eight and one hundred eighteen gigs. We'll yep. talk about that in a second. Yep. Um, sequentials. It's only rated at one point two gigabytes read, six hundred megabytes per second write, mm-hmm. um, which is lower than what we're used to because we're used to seeing by four. PCIe M.2 SSDs, Correct. right? The,
2: the, write, the read speed is more or less limited by the interface. Okay. Uh, the write speed is higher than what we saw with Optane Memory because there's more dies. There's more...
0: More addressable die. There's
2: more addressable space. Yep. Like, there's more, you yep. know, more parallelism. Um, the IOPS is, you know, a little bit of a boost over the Optane Memory part. Um, you know, but, like, latency... Actually, I have a beef. There's a big paragraph that gets yeah, windy you, you in the view Yeah, you something
0: in the latency spec uh, of average sequential. Yeah, so.
2: they're they're calling latency average sequential, which makes absolutely no sense to me because, first of all, sequential in terms of SSDs typically implies 128K sectors. Uh, or Sorry, 128K uh, transfer size. Okay. Right? How long does it take to transfer 128K if you were going to do a latency for a sequential of any kind? Mm-hmm. Um, With that, Matt, with those results there, uh, if it only took you 6.7 microseconds to transfer 128K, you're doing, like, 90 gigabytes per second. So that doesn't work, obviously, right? (sighs) Sounds Um, great. I wish it was that fast, but it's not, (laughs) right? Um, Also, like, you wouldn't do latency for a sequential transfer. It's like you're just doing a straight-line speed of a thing, right? You're going to rate that in throughput not in latency. Yep. where yep. you care about latency is random access, which is arguably one of Optane's strongest traits, mm-hmm. right? It has amazing latency for, for random access, but don't rate it in sequential. Like that's, it makes absolutely no sense to do It's that. kind of cheating. And it is kind of cheating because that number is really low. Uh, lower but, than you would see in a random, right? It's lower than it's, that even, even it is capable of in random access. Right. You know, it's lower than a lot of systems are capable of doing. Even if the device was super fast, right? It's just, you know, you're limited to other things in the system when you try to go that low.
0: Okay.
2: Um, Even like a hard drive has a pretty low number for sequential latency if you did like four kilobyte sequential. Right. Because it's just, it's all going a straight line, it doesn't have to seek got it the next thing's already there yeah right? just how long did it you're take? You're basically timing
0: the movement of the head
2: no you're timing the movement of four kilobytes over the interface Uh-oh. that's all you're doing okay. right Fair. it's just how how fast can it go across the wires mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah. um so let's let's jump into this so we, we talked about the similarities to the to the optane memory like not just similarities but l- like a lot of it's similarities very, we'll just scroll the, down the,
2: scroll down a couple more pictures right. only like one more past that uh, so the top two drives there are the the 16 and the 32-gig uh, Optane memory parts. And then the next two are the 58-gig and the 118-gig uh, 800-piece. Okay. At, I mean, look at the board layout. Like, it's almost an identical layout even. They didn't even, you know, the controller is the same size. The chip, you know, the yep. all the layout's yep. the same. Yep. They moved a couple of components from the, from the right edge a little bit inward on the newer parts. But the components are still the same components. They're just Got rearranged it. a little bit. All right. Um, Now, all that said, there are differences. Like, these devices can do power management, whereas uh, the Optane memory parts really didn't have, like, idle states, so to speak. They just always consumed whatever their their power was going to be. Right. So these are more like regular SSDs that will actually have, like, a standby or an idle power state. Okay. They will actually, you know, try to clock down the controller and stuff like that when... You know When your computer is not accessing them, right. which was kind of a requirement for if you were ever going to put these things in a laptop, right? Oh, you, yeah, for you, sure. You needed them to not draw like a, a few watts all the time. That would just be bad. So um, let's
0: let's talk about – so there are some things I want to talk about at the end, the capacity issue, the pricing issue. Yeah. What about performance stands out to us, right? So there's a couple of things. One is because it's a buy-two interface, it's going to be limited to some degree. Yes. Theoretically, like – you know pure, um, is this uh, so this is oh, Where this is only go? the 800p drive, right? So we're looking at about 1.4 gigabytes per second, um, saturated and burst reads,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm showing both there just to, to demonstrate, and the then about look, 600 no megs
0: difference. per second writes, uh huh, right? Correct, I should say, yeah, yeah. Um, IOPS, very good. I, I want to get into the comparison side of it. What page do I want to dive into yeah, on that? Yeah, go straight to sequential and random, performance like,
2: comparisons. just go straight to the client queue depth.
0: Well, I, wanted to, I wanted to show this, right, because this is – Oh, for the um, – Because there, there there's many ways to measure performance on SSDs. You yeah. know, random is one. Sequential is another. Se- mm-hmm. And you can have a big debate about what is most important. Um, I think in, in our experience, <clears throat> sequential is important less often than random is important. For, for people that care for about – consumers.
2: For people that care about what an SSD does to improve your system performance. Okay. Right? If you're a kind of person that wouldn't even notice if you had a hard drive in your system – yeah. Well, then you're not going to be that worried about random comments. Okay. okay. I mean,
0: so what, what we're looking at here, though, is – so this is throughput. The If you look, like, uh, where's, where's the 800P? It's down here with this orange line. Yeah, right actually, those, those,
2: those four lines – well, uh, there's a SATA SSD in the middle of them, but those four lines around the blue line yeah. at the bottom there, those are the four different Optane parts. Okay. Right, so they got the two Optane memory parts. The,
0: remember, the eight, yeah, because the 860 Pro, the green line there, is a SATA drive. Yes. Got it. Okay. And yep. then the blue line above it is the 960 Evo, and the orange line above that is the 900p. Uh,
2: actually, it's an orange and a gray, or where is it? They're all kind of like overlapping each other. Yeah. at that 600 mic per second. They are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I'm um, talking about at 1500, you've got the 960 Evo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the then very above top. that, you've got the 900p. So it's just yeah. like... in To put in perspective, to be very fair and blunt, like, right, sequential performance, Uh the 800p does not stand out. Absolutely not. It it is is, uh, an underperformer in those spaces. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, when you go into random, um, in terms of either writes or – well, if we look at reads in particular, writes, they're still – they're fast at the beginning, but they kind of level off. Well,
2: for writes, uh, NAND SSDs actually do pretty well on random writes. Okay. Um, but random writes are not the full story here. If you're looking for the random performance for what you're actually doing on a client system, that's mm-hmm. usually the majority of those, that random access is reads. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at low queue depth and random reads is where you really want to be. Yep. Um, so for that, in, you know, your burst 4K random read test, um, you'll notice that th- that blue and the two blue lines and the green line, which were all the NAND-based parts, right? PCIe and SATA. Yeah, and the and the PCIe of which were super high earlier. Yep. Yep. Right, uh, they're not doing so great
0: anymore. <laughs> Stupid, right? Up. Uh, Correct, because they're all they all start very low. All five of these lines up here obtain drives. Yes, all obtain drives. It's obtain the 16 gig uh, memory. Mm-hmm. Module in uh, 32 gig, and then the 800 p's and the 900 p. Yeah, they all they Those all follow are all
2: significantly. They all follow down. almost the same exact profile, except the 16 gig part just kind of like starts to choke at a really high queue depth mm-hmm. because it's, it's you're only accessing one die of of the memory. I think just the controller just has a hard time managing the queue on that part. Got it. But that thing was never meant to run a queue depth of 16 or 32. Right. Uh, it, okay. it would never even reach that in a regular system.
0: So, um, what what graph on on the client? Uh, QD-weighted page, this first one here. All right, so, uh, yeah, so burst random, this is really what
2: matters more. We're focusing on the lower Q-depths, and if you look at the blue bar specifically on that chart, you're looking at, okay, what's the performance going to look like for your typical random read performance? So if your system is doing uh, a workload that's more like a 4K random workload, what's your actual speed going to look like in, like, real world? Um, And in that case, you have you know, the four blue bars at the top and the one at the bottom, those are all your Optane memory-equipped parts. They're all doing over 100,000 right? compared to the fastest NAND parts, which barely break 20,000. So you have a 5X jump. Gotcha. Right? You have to be doing small, random access, but whenever you are, Optane is just, it's like night and day. It's, it's mm. not even a, a comparison. Right? Sure. It's just, it just walks all over NAND. Um, if you look at sequential... Now you have to flip it, right? Because then we're interface limited on these parts. So whenever you go to compare against something like a 960 EVO, of course it just, you know, the 960 EVO has twice the bandwidth. So it's nearly twice the result in this chart. Um, You know, and the SATA part is roughly half, a little bit less than half of what the Optane part turns in, which is about, you know, sort of what you would expect. Um, The next chart down is an interesting one to look at. We usually don't include this. I've kind of started lately. Um, this, this review being a, a good reason to, uh, this is a percent read slash write um, sweep. So the percent read is, you know, if 90% reads would be 90% of the time you're doing reads, okay? Um, say you were doing 70%. That's a typical number you see thrown around for client workloads. Mm-hmm. Is, you know 70% typically or higher is your, your percent uh, random read activity. So you have to look at basically the right third of, of that chart. And where do the NAND based SSDs sit? Well, they're around 20,000, just like we saw earlier. You know, That's right. the that same number. But then look at all the Optane parts. They're all climbing upwards of you know, 100,000. Um, again, there's your 5x difference. And notice that that difference applies for the majority of that sweep, all the way down to even 10% reads and 90% writes. NAND has already lost most of its advantage because it had to spend the extra time trying to do lookups for reads. Um, so even just a little bit of reading activity is enough to, um, you know, kind of throw throw NAND off and, and lose its uh, advantage that it has. So... I uh, guess you can hit mixed Burst really quick. That's the, our closest to like a real-world kind yep. of test, right? This is where you've got a background download going on, and you're trying to do uh, the equivalent of like level loads in games or like launching relatively large applications. Um, and if you just look at the throughputs there, uh, now Optane starts to look a little bit better again, even though this is more of a sequential read workload. There's writes going on in the background. Anything with NAND, now it has to juggle the writes and the reads especially if it's caching SSD. It has have a little bit of extra work to do. Um, so that actually let the 800P get really, like within striking distance of the 960 Evo. Um, again, though, not as fast in this yeah. test, yeah. right? They, they were not beating that drive, um,
0: so which, I,
2: which is an issue, right? Because it's like, it's Optane, you expect it to be super fast. Of course. Uh, but this particular implementation of it is only so fast.
0: So let's let's talk about that, right? So... In terms of like random read performance, it's kind of a, a, a killer product still. But because yes. of the limitations of it being in a buy two PCIe configuration, it kind of holds it back in some other areas that the 900p didn't have to deal with. It does. It does. Um, it does maintain some other advantages
2: that are not the type of thing we focus on in a, a client, like a regular consumer SSD review. But if you are harder on your SSD, if you would consider your use cases much more like a workstation or, super like power user kind of thing where you're doing compiling a bunch of code. You're just really things that would really just beat the SSD to death. Right. right. Where you would expect that the SSD would actually start to slow down because you're just fragmenting everything. And, you, yeah. just, you know, that's the kind of workload where an SSD like this would shine above and beyond NAND. You know, if you're hitting it with small random and you're doing it a lot, um, our, our suite doesn't do an app like an unrealistic, or what I would consider an unrealistic uh, for a regular client, um, you know, just bombarding the SSD with a random like full span 4K random writes for like several hours, like that's just not something that no. regular people no, no, no. do, right? But if you did that to these drives, they would still go just as fast, right? Like they, they literally don't care,
0: right? So and that's, that's
2: a plus. Performance
0: is what it is. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the capacity issue because I think this is the other big, the other major concern with the product, right? Yeah. I 100, think 118 gig is still a tough. Uh, yeah. So to I swallow. think the 58 gig is, is a, is a super tough cell in a world where windows 10 uses what? 30 gigs out of the box. 20. It's 20. And then you have your, your
2: hyper file, which is like half of your Ram. Sure. So that could potentially be another, you know,
0: 15 I, I think whatever. that puts the 58 in a really tough spot. I, I think even, even for a 118. So I, I have used plenty of laptops that have 128 gig or, you know, SSDs yeah. built in yep, yep. and on my laptop, I can get away with that, but in general, I kind of feel like I'm storing I'm storing less on my laptop than I am on my desktop. Yes, in general, right? I, I don't have games installed. I don't have uh, as many applications installed, more than likely, right? So for for a power user, for a desktop power user, 118 is still going to be a stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, you in, know, you, Intel did have an argument about that
2: point, which was, and they basically said, well, you can always get multiple of them and put them in a RAID. Yeah, but then there's a downside to that, where if you Put four of the 118s in a RAID, you're spending $200 more than you would on a 480 gig um, yeah. 900p.
0: Yeah, the and pricing is the other big issue. Yeah, you're
2: getting the same capacity. Why, that, yeah, that's the other why issue. Why isn't
0: there a higher capacity of this? Uh, I mean, they can do it. On this board, they, on this form factor, is it a controller limitation, do you think? And the, control, the controller only access a certain number of die? Here's, here's one part to this. I don't think
2: I've ever seen an Intel SSD with more than four dies per package, okay, of any kind of dies, NAND or CrossPoint. I think they just don't like stacking higher than four because now you run into issues where uh, you know bad yield, something goes wrong, and putting eight in a package, you just you just threw away seven of them, right? Like yeah. one thing goes wrong with one of the dies in a package of eight, your your percentage of loss gets unreasonable. Um, I think that's kind of the reason for doing that and that might also be pushing them away from you know because you would need uh, eight dies per package to go you know with uh, doubling the
0: 118
2: mm. right um, also I mean now you're in a territory where you're competing with the capacities of the um, of the 900p which might overly confuse people
0: right? yeah I mean well, they, they pitch the 900p as a workstation part yeah, a super high-end enthusiast, less workstation part, and it made sense for that, right? But but the the vast majority of the audience is going to do M.2 mainstream stuff anyway. They are. So I don't I still don't feel like we have a great option from them in this in this space. Not only that, we didn't talk about the pricing yet. The pricing is higher on the eight hundred P than it is on the nine hundred P. Which
2: is absurd. cost per gig, which that, is which that is kind is, of crazy. It's just completely backwards
0: to me. Even if you you know if you discount the fifty-eight as kind of being too small for reasonable discussion to be had, the one eighteen sure. at one ninety-nine it doesn't sound like a bad price, but it's a dollar sixty nine a gig, yeah. which is you know, significantly higher than the five hundred ninety nine dollars you pay for the four hundred eighty gig nine hundred P, which is a dollar yeah per gig. So you know, and you're you're obviously well above of even the nine sixty Pro. You know, at fifty nine cents a gig for its lowest capacity. Yeah, I mean, and, and I never really expected Optane to be competitive with the NAND stuff, at least in this first generation. Right. It needs to at least be competitive with its own bigger I would agree product. With that. I, yeah. Right? I think it needs to at least hit that $1.25, $1. thirty nine, you know, yeah. cost per gig at MSRP. Yeah. Now, maybe at that point, now you make the 800P feel like a bargain basement product. Like it's. But the thing is, know, but,
2: it doesn't do as well as the 900P. Yeah. In, in, in that perspective, it should be a bargain basement product it should be at least the same cost per gig that's like the upper ceiling of where they should have priced yeah you know where they should have priced this but to do it it's like 1.3 x or something the cost per gig of the 900p and you know maybe if it performed the same you can get away with arguing well now you can fit it in more products and if you really want it in your laptop and you want 900p performance in your laptop you're paying a premium but that's not what you're getting you're right. getting, you know, it's hobbled by the interface and by yeah. the controller is far fewer channels than what the 900p has. It's, it's, you it's, know. it's
0: still interesting to talk about as a product of like, it is the fastest in some key ways. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, Absolutely. The, the random read performance is unmatched by anything. That's true. Um, and its ability to handle reads and writes at the same time. Is good. is also extremely good. Um, yeah. So, like, I I would I could see there being a segment of audience, right? First of all, you've got like the MSIs of the world who are going to put two of these in a, in a gaming laptop. They've did this when which MB is and the SSDs fine, right? First it, came out.
2: Then it's, it's it's just coming that way. You're not trying to figure out the RAID thing. You're not trying to you know. Hopefully, they're getting these cheaper to, for the OEM to put them in that product, yeah. and you're not paying you know MSRP times two yeah. or times four for yeah. that
0: laptop, right? Um. I, yeah. I, I think it was. It wasn't nearly the product that I think a lot of people had hoped it would be after seeing the reviews of the 900P and waiting for this consumer variant to come out. Yeah. I think if if this were available in like a 250 gig version, it's a much easier discussion to have because now you take away the capacity, the pricing hopefully you come comes down a little bit. Yep. And then like the performance discrepancies are easy to talk around, right? Mm-hmm. They're easy to go, but yeah, but do you care about straight line or do you care about random more, and and make that make that call. What I think it needs is it needs. The higher capacity, it needs a
2: 240, right? Yeah. Uh, And it needs a better controller, right? They have to move away from this. It's time to...
0: But then they can't take the power-hungry controller that exists on the 900p.
2: They can't do... That one's just too physically large to to even fit on the the, the thing. But they need to rework a controller, add some more channels, you know, make it at least comparable to the 900p in a 240 gig capacity. Then you can get away with charging that price. Yeah. But, but not as it is.
0: So check out the review. It's on the site. We've talked about it too long on this show already. So we're going to move on. Um, Ken is not here. Damn him. Uh, he posted a quick review <laughs> of the CalDigit Thunderbolt Station 3 Plus dock. Uh, it is exactly what you would think it would be. It is a Thunderbolt 3 dock that you can use for laptops. It makes more sense for laptops. You can use it for PCs. It seems unlikely you would need it. Um, We've had really good success with this one. Part of the problems we've had with recent Thunderbolt docks is they have compatibility issues. We put this in to probably five different machines, five mm-hmm. different laptops that had Thunderbolt. They all seem to work perfectly fine um, from Lenovo to Dell to Asus to whatever. You ran into an issue with a display recently. On a different one, on a different dock. Oh, that was mm-hmm. – it right, were, right,
2: right. But this one worked properly correct. with a display. Whereas we were a using dock a 3440
0: by 1440 75 hertz display, yep. and this one ran it through just fine at 75 hertz. The other dock we had only ran it at 60 hertz. We couldn't run it at 75 hertz. So it's interesting to note that. Uh, you can see it's got SD card reader on the front, audio, uh, USB. Uh, it's even got optical audio output out the back as well is Thunderbolt. Uh, you know, pass through, display port, four more USB ports, gigabit Ethernet. Uh, the power supply is pretty beefy. Um, supplies up to 180 watts, which is good. You get the charging thing. Well, the one complaint I yeah. have is uh, the Thunderbolt cable that they include with this is like really tiny. What is that? 18 inches? Yeah, half a meter, right? So, uh, yeah, and it's, it works fine. Like, it's. it's Normally, you are going to have this dock nearby because you are going to have things plugged into it or whatever. But if you wanted to have it like underneath your monitor and your laptop out a little bit further, so you use it as a second display, it's kind of a it's kind of a pain there. Yeah, Um, not much to it in terms of internals. I like the design. I like to go back up
2: to the you know I like how they had um, there were thermal pads like in a lot of places, you know, and basically the whole housing of the thing as a heat sink, so you are not really worried about anything overheating in particular, and it's able to be a you know a high performance device. Yep, passively cooled. You know,
0: we ran it through some storage testing. We all got full. We got full speed out of it. Um, it did get an editor's choice award. It. It's not. It's not cheap. Um, they're two hundred fifty bucks, but that's kind of in line with where Thunderbolt docks yeah, are right now. That's actually a
2: that's a, a decent
3: price. Yeah, so that's that, okay. yeah,
2: that's a good price. Okay,
3: and I, I've been reviewing Thunderbolt docks since when they were going back to the original Thunderbolt spec when it was practically just a Mac yeah. product or Mac accessory, um, and. All those early Thunder, all those first-gen Thunderbolt, and some of the Thunderbolt two products were really bad. Lots mm-hmm. of uh, bugs and compatibility issues. Yeah, Cal, I've reviewed all the Cal Digit docs up to this one, or not including this one. So they're Thunderbolt two and Thunderbolt one, and they always got it right, right <laughs> from the get-go. They were the ones that had the best reliability, best compatibility. So this is this product being good is not new to them. They're they're a solid choice. Good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it's it's very compact. It doesn't take up a lot of space. You know, I think the Dell one that I have. The Thunderbolt cable coming out of it is hardwired into the machine, which yeah. it, it's not a huge problem. It just seems a little clunky and unnecessary, and then you can't make the length of the cable longer if you wanted to, right? Which also you can, true. Which you can on this. So you can check out that review that Ken posted up uh, on the website, and that's it. That's the CalDigit Thunderbolt Station 3. We're going to take a quick break here. To thank today's show sponsor, this would be our friends at HelloFresh. They're offering everyone in our audience $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use offer code PCPER30. If you're not familiar with what HelloFresh is, this is this is basically a food delivery service. Food ingredient delivery service. So they're not sending pizza to your house or something like that, although they will send you the ingredients to make pizza sometimes. Mm-hmm. The idea is they're sending you meals that are, are, you have all the ingredients ready to go. You don't need to have, you know, uh, you don't have to go to the store to buy any extras or, or side items or whatever to, to make. Um, it comes in a box that is uh, uh, cooled through ice packs, delivered overnight. Um, everything, everything in there is recyclable. Everything is put into individual bags and organized so that you get home from work, you go to the refrigerator, you pick out one of the three meals you want to make for that week, get all the stuff out, boom, you're ready to go. I've actually found it to be not just, you know, financially feasible. It's like $9 per person, per, uh, serving per meal. um, I also, kind of, I find it fun, right? Like, I never cooked before. In college, I didn't. I did the macaroni and cheese and cereal diet. Um, my wife does most of the cooking at the house, but even even that, in in those regards, like we're we're very adventurous. This kind of introduces you to new food items, new cooking techniques. Uh, it's actually been pretty useful for that, and also helps expand your palate of what you're used to doing. Like we we make a lot of spaghetti, and we would make a lot of you know hamburgers and stuff like that and now we do more unique items um you get to choose your delivery day that works for you you can pause it on weeks when you're out of town which is super helpful for for me in particular when i'm out of town my wife doesn't want to get a a box with 3 Meals for two people in it if I'm going to be out. So that's the ability to kind of delay things is useful there. Um, You get a great selection and flexibility. They offer a wide variety of recipes that change weekly. You know, they have three different plans of classic veggie and family, and you can go in all kinds of different variants from that. Uh, From a simplicity standpoint, it's nice because... It's nice to have three options. Pick one and go. You don't send, spend 20 minutes staring at your refrigerator trying to look through all the ingredients that you have and figure out what you can actually make from it. Um, and as an overall benefit, they make it – you know it's easy to cook. It's balanced. It's healthier than crap that I would normally make for myself as well. And uh, there's just no more time-consuming meal planning, grocery delivery to have to deal with. So I, I, I actually – Really, really uh, like the service, would encourage anybody who's thinking about it to give it a shot. And when you can get uh, a good discount and support the podcast that you're listening to, I think that's a, that's a plus as well. So if you go to HelloFresh.com, use the code PCPER30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. That's HelloFresh.com. Use offer code PCPER30, $30 off your first week of deliveries, and we thank HelloFresh for their support. Of the PC Perspective podcast.
3: That's us. It's great for Linux users because why order delivery when you can have the ingredients delivered and compile your yeah. meal yourself?
0: Yep. Yes, correct. Yeah. You've been waiting all night to say that. <laughs> I was. You? I've been on the edge of my seat.
3: As soon as I saw that they were sponsored, yes.
0: Uh, uh, looks like I, I missed, skipped one of these things. Um, Jim, you wrote up a story about ultrawides. Um, essentially... Not the not that we had a specific review of a monitor or anything like that, but just the idea of using it. And then we had a thirty-eight forty by sixteen hundred monitor in here, as opposed to a fourteen forty. Mm-hmm. And you seem to believe that that actually makes a difference in the usability of these products. Yeah,
1: I mean, hey, the story- hey, Jim, Jim, before you answer that, yes, sir, could I be the king of your ultra wide monitor? A what? What? Oh, Jesus. Have you never heard the song, You Can Be the Queen, a queen of My Ultra Wide Trailer? I have not. No.
0: No.
3: No. But now I have something to look forward to tonight. <laughs> not looking at that song. You are all cultural. Superior to you. Spread. Yes. Got it. Uh, no, yeah. No. <laughs> yes, that, is, that is correct. That is correct. Thank you. All right. Anyway,
0: yes, the, six, the 160 lines can make all yes. the difference, as the title says.
3: So this isn't just an ultrawide story. This is an, a story about a very particular type of ultrawide monitor. So ultrawides have been out for a couple years now. Yep. And uh, they, they they launched in a basically a 21 by 9 aspect ratio. And those were available uh, on the smaller end at 2560 by 1080. And on the larger end, you know, around 34 inches at uh, at 3440 by 1440. So if you think about it, you're taking a 1080p Monitor or a fourteen hundred and forty p monitor and basically stretching it is, is the effect you get there and for me, the point of this article was I really like I like the concept of ultra rides, they look awesome. you go on like reddit at the battle station subreddit oh yeah, and just great setups, but in practice i've never bought one or owned one uh, because i don't like the sixteen by nine aspect ratio that this monitor industry has adopted, you know those ten eighty p and 1440 p displays i mean at some point you have to have a, you don't have a choice cause that's what's available, but I always preferred the 16 by 10 ratio. I liked my, like my, the best monitor I ever owned was a 30 inch Dell that was 2560 by 1600. And it was just something about those extra 160 lines of vertical resolution that made a difference. Like just things just fit more. The, I didn't feel, I didn't feel cramped. And so when I saw these 38 inch monitors come out around the middle of last year, uh, I was very intrigued. I didn't have a chance until recently to to, to actually use one in person, and that was with this Acer uh, 38-inch model. So with this, you're not only increasing the vertical resolution all the way to to a true 1600, the horizontal resolution also goes from 3440 to to 3840. Got it. And so you're getting that extra screen area, but that also means 3840 is the horizontal resolution of the UHD 4K standard. So if you were to use this for movies, they're great for movies that are in like a 21 by 9 or similar aspect ratio. You're not scaling. You're getting the full width one to one pixel ratio for your 4K content. So that's great. And then in practice, as I used it, that extra height, you know, the the extra pixel resolution uh, really did make a difference. Now it's not for everybody. I mean, some of the feedback on this was like, you know, it doesn't – that's – You'd never really notice it, or it's you know nobody should care, or why not just get a 4K monitor and get all you know 2160 line or uh, uh, 2160 uh, lines of vertical resolution, and and that's that's valid. But if you're going to get like with this 38 inch, and I hope that photo there kind of really gives a sense of its size, uh, if you could scroll up, Ryan. Oh, this one, yeah. yeah. Like so, it's huge <laughs> and it's. It's huge, but it's not overwhelming because it's wide. It's not too tall. If I were to get a 4K monitor, like Dell has like a 43-inch 4K. Allen's using a 40, a 40. It's like a 40 it's
2: a 42. It's a 40-inch Seki. You get above okay. 40
3: inches in a 16 by 9 aspect ratio, and it, it can almost be too big for some people, and it would be for me. Like I wouldn't have space under the monitor to put speakers or or you know, move my keyboard when I need to write on the desk or something. It's just It's almost too big at that size. So at this aspect ratio – Having that resolution uh, really does make a difference. So the point of it was just that my revelation personally that this is a this is the way to go with ultra wide. There's only a few options out there right now: Dell, Acer, and um, LG. Um, and they only have a and of those manufacturers, they only have one or two models each that that are actually in this resolution. But I hope to see it uh, adopted further to see more technologies like G Sync, like like HDR, and things like that yeah. come to this. Uh, this form factor uh so i mean I'm in no way uh crapping on the fourteen forty p ultra wides you sure. know those are those look great, but if you're more productivity focused and you you did at one point use a sixteen hundred uh p monitor mm-hmm. uh, check these out because uh they're pricey, but it's an impressive display and I'm probably going to wait until things like G-Sync become available before I personally invest. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was sad to box this one up. Interesting.
2: Yeah, I think you end up, uh, I mean, I can only really use so much of a 40-inch 4K height-wise.
0: Yeah, like, you, you know, y- like when you have to look up, you have yeah. to physically move your head yeah. up. Yeah. And so
2: I'll, I'll, push, I'll push stuff up there to get it out of the way, but not because I want to actively, you know, because I want it at, sort of in my periphery. Right, Mm. like if I'm, I just want a movie playing in the background or just some video playing in the background. I'll just shove it up, you know, in the upper space where I would like nosebleed section sort of of that of that panel. (laughs) I mean, it really is. It's just the vertical part of it is really just kind of like the the detractor from it. Um, What I do like though about a 40 inch size 4K panel is that you don't have to use uh, uh, DPI scaling at all. Yeah. Right. Same thing with that panel. Exactly. Same with this. In fact, that panel, if I was only using you know, a, a reasonable ultra-wide sort of uh, aspect of my 40-inch, that panel you tested is actually a larger panel.
3: Mm-hmm. Right? A little because wider?
2: It, yeah, because if I just take that diagonal of mine, I don't get 38 inches. Yeah. I get like more like 36 or 35 mm-hmm. inches out, mm-hmm. of, out of what used to be a 40, right? Uh, so, yeah, it's a huge... I mean, I saw it sitting on your desk, and I was just like, that's that's just big. Yeah. Right? Even from me also sitting at a 40-inch. Just...
1: Big yeah you know i have got uh you know originally uh, these three monitors i've got I did with uh crossfire when I mean, crossfire didn't work so well and then I, I went finished. to nvidia s l i but oh. I would love to have one uninterrupted screen that is you know seventy five percent of these three monitors, which mm-hmm. is essentially mm-hmm. what that is
0: yeah
1: i could I could use and abuse that so to speak. Some somebody send me something.
0: Soon. I was on I was on that 3440 at my house today, and I uh, was doing a press call with somebody, and they full they, they had the ability to full full screen the thing, uh, and so it was a 1080p screen that they were full screening. So I just had these huge black bars down well, the sides yeah, of it, yeah. and I was like, hey, could could somebody undo that so I could use the rest of my monitor for me? They're like, oh yeah, sorry about that, and they could click a button, and then I could readjust. And
3: yeah, I mean that that is the one disadvantage of all ultra is that when you're don't have content you kinda need, for it. you. Kind of need
0: you. Kind of needs a third-party piece of software to help manage some of that. Sometimes, definitely. yeah, like like Display Fusion or the one I'll the Z-Move or whatever that I'll talk about in my picks, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, on my laptop, I'm just used to open it full screen, right, and move on. You can't do that on one of these monitors. Both, it's, it's it would be infuriating, and also you lose all the benefit yeah. that it provides. So very cool. Uh, real quick. Actually, I I need to change the author on this review. Uh, I did not write this review of the Huawei MediaPad M3 Lite 10. Uh, Christopher Koch did. So I apparently didn't put it in the system. I forgot to change his name on there. Um, But anyway, this is a $240 – no, I wouldn't call it a budget Android tablet because you can get budget Android tablets for really cheap. But a a lower-cost tablet than what you would see an iPad app. Uh 19 by 12 screen. It's powered by a Qualcomm 400 series, Snapdragon 400 series. Part it is an eight core system. It's got Android 7 on it. Uh, 32 gigs of uh, – the three gigs of RAM with six gigs of storage or three gigs of RAM and 32 or four gigs and 64. We tested the three gigs of RAM with 16 gigs of storage. Obviously, you're going to need some uh, uh, external storage. If you've got a, a 16 gig internal capacity, which I believe he says in the review provides about seven gigs of uh, post uh, actual, system yeah. utilization afterwards, 6,600 milliamp hour uh, battery on this guy. We've actually had this in the offices for a while. <clears throat> it's very evocative. What is that? Something's going is on. Is that Josh? Uh,
1: Sorry, I'll stop. T- let me mute. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh just making sure. It's very evocative of the Galaxy uh Samsung Galaxy Tab four. Um not a surprise. A lot of these devices tend to look very similar. Uh in terms of connectivity, you've only got a micro USB and a headphone jack. Nothing else here. Again, this is an Android tablet, not a Windows tablet. So this is mainly meant as a consumption device. There's no. Does not come with a keyboard? Although you can use any number of Bluetooth keyboards and input devices with it. Um, Christopher was 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 pretty impressed with. You know, the UI was clean. Um, the amount of pre-installed apps was below average, which is good, right? Mm-hmm. You actually want that to be below average. You know, so this is this is again. It's not a, a purely uh, stock Android experience—they they still wrap their own UI around it, and as a result, you get things like this, where there's significantly more spacing before icons than maybe you would want there to be. Um, you know, and you know a,
1: for safety purposes, it, it is important to wrap your own UI.
0: It always, yes, you got to wrap always. your UI.
1: Otherwise, you'll get viruses, and your user experience <laughs> will go downhill very, very quickly. Nobody will want to use your product anymore. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does have app drawer support, so kind of like their basic multitasking. Did, so did you
1: say app drawer? I, I did drawer. Oh dear,
0: drawer d r a w e r. What if you drop what your call. drawers? Will it expose all uh, your uh, apps? It will, and your assets. <laughs> to that degree, it's very true. Uh, and you can see here if you ever are looking at pcpart.com and need to add up some numbers about how much all the stuff that we're talking about you can't afford. Now you can do this in a multitasked Android fashion. Uh, pretty pretty simple, straightforward after that. He's had use cases, you know, in terms of user experience is very good. The camera was okay. Um, again, kind of what you would expect on a low-cost. I didn't Android know he had demo. any of those. What? what? I didn't know he had any of those. This review just got weird. This is not, that's not my picture. I didn't take this picture. I know. This is, this is Stuffy the Dragon I, from I, Doc McStuffins. I'm with you. I get it. Yeah. Well, anyway, he gives some good picture examples here. Uh, it some looks of them traumatized. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it does. Um, so you get some ideas of of what the the noise level would be. This is a really good picture to look at noise because it's all white, bright LEDs, and darks in there too. Yeah, darks in there too. So interesting. Like I said, it's about two hundred forty bucks on Amazon. Uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon four thirty five powered. It's a pretty good device. He actually really was impressed with the IPS screen on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely find Android devices for less expensive than this, but you can also find them for a lot more than this. So if you're comparing it to like the, the, the galaxy uh, tabs, for example, I think you might be better off with something, uh, with something like this. Um, but the, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a lot of experience with the Android tablet market over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably for, for, for decent reasons. So, all right. Let's get into uh, the, the big story the news fun items. stuff. The I got a big, stock
3: tip for you. Oh, yeah? Uh, certain technology companies were maybe maybe worth $0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should maybe. file for
0: bankruptcy immediately. immediately. And uh, their stock is worth – they should be worth 0 cents, Not $0.00. 0.00 zero zero dollars. Yeah, yeah. Not even right? a penny stock. You don't want to round anyone. Anyway, um, they want it to be very upfront. In fact, they just need to
1: stop selling all products right now and go into bankruptcy because that's – that's where they're supposed to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so let me give my quick synopsis here. And then, Josh, I'll let you. Uh, proli- uh, uh, prolapse?
1: No, I'm not going to prolapse. Pontificate? A sport, there
0: you go. I was going to say proliferate, but I don't think that was the, the right <laughs> You don't want me to proliferate either. Yeah, no, that's anyway. true. We're, we're not that kind of shit, right? So a, uh, a security research company called CTS Labs came out with a report on Tuesday that Said that the Ryzen and Epic processors all had uh, some collection of security vulnerabilities, in, uh, up to an account of 13 newly discovered security flaws on these parts. Uh, they released a website, some videos, and a report, like a white paper type thing, detailing what these were. Um, they didn't go into details about how to uh, uh, integrate them, you know, reproduce them, reproduce them, which mm-hmm. is, which is. Standard practice because you don't want to give down. Right. But they didn't give AMD a whole lot of time, like apparently less than 24 hours notice about this. Um, I think – well, Josh, I'll let you come on this. All else being if we take all the drama around this out of the story for the immediate, is there still cause for concern for the security vulnerabilities as they are presented?
1: You just had to ask that, didn't you?
0: I did. I did. It's so kind tough of the questions. basis
1: of the story, but why would you have to ask it that way? Okay, you know what? <clears throat> These are vulnerabilities, but they're secondary vulnerabilities that are essentially like other known vulnerabilities that have been in software since the 90s. So three out of the four are ones that could potentially be somewhat destructive, but to be able to enable any of those, you need to have elevated administrator privileges on that computer and so right. if you 're a hacker and you already have elevated administrator privileges on uh, the machine you're you 've already got the kings to the keys to the castle i mean you're you 're in you can go in there you can then. Flash the BIOS and uh inject any kind of malware you on there. Uh you can <clears throat> take advantage of the uh security processor that AMD has, which is based on a ARM Cortex A5.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's the OS is made by
0: Tritonic. Is that anyway? Uh, I started with the T, but I'm not gonna yeah, quote yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So
1: it's it's you know, it's 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 a, so a security processor is an embedded processor that exists outside of the main OS that has its own protected memory, protected firmware that can't be flashed. And, you know, it kind of exists as its own domain domain. And this is, this is like a, um, uh, arms trust zone. Uh, Intel has something quite similar to this. And so it's interesting for many, many reasons. One, The security group is not a group that anybody had heard of until now. Two, they gave AMD less than 24 hours notice before they were going to publish this information. Three, they actually talked to press entities before actually publishing anything online. And four, am I counting right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Sure, why not? You're on a roll. Um, Someone within the CTS labs leaked... The document, their, their entire thing on, on AMD, to this group called Viceroy, uh-huh. which is a South African firm that specializes in shorting stocks. So cool. uh, some time ago, they let out all this terrible news about one of the banks in South Africa and they were shorting the bank stocks. And next thing you know, there was a run on the bank and the stock fell. I mean, shorting is kind of weird anyway. You borrow shares, right? Yep. You sell it to somebody else. Yep. Correct.
0: You have that money. You, you you know, you borrow shares from somebody telling them you're going to give them back to them. Right. Exactly. Who the hell
1: does that? But, it happens. It happens. And so then, yeah, they, they sell it to somebody else, and then you say, okay, in 90 days, you need to sell me back these shares or you know whatever amount of time you do, and you need to sell me back these shares at whatever price they are. So if it goes down $3 per share, if it was $10, bucks, you are making a 30% profit yep. on money that you never really had. Sounds awesome. I love. This yeah, idea. yeah. So anyway, this uh, group <laughs> is is quite famous for this, yeah. and it's just so strange because they wrote literally a thirty three page document about why AMD is going down, and they released it within hours of the CTS Labs uh, report
0: going active. Now, <clears throat> which means they had access to the report beforehand. Yeah, yeah. You know, the security company leaked it to them, and, and I and, think it's I think it's important to point out, like the security company. Pre briefed some media about it, you know, at least a, a couple of pe- handful of people. They also uh, pre briefed. Um, they also talked with some secondary security companies as well to like validate the to apparently validate the vulnerabilities, which is the proof again, of concept software again, to, which is to kind to of normally this, yeah. accepted, right? Um, but I would say uh, I think the talking to press
2: before actually talking to the company in question is. A- Problem.
0: Uh, I feel like that kind of happened with Spectre meltdown as well. Like at least, or or is like immediate. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't yeah. know. They had a lot. No, it's
1: ninety days, ninety to one yeah. hundred. No, no no no, 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 days no, no, no. I'm talking about they pre
0: briefed them before it went public. Oh, oh sure. oh, yeah, right. But, they, but the Intel knew about it. Yes, they didn't pre brief media before they pre briefed right. the companies. Yes, right. no, that's what I'm saying. The Microsoft, but, Intel. But what I am AMD. saying is odd yeah. is to pre brief a company that exists to sell and trade stocks in whatever capacity you want them to be. Yeah. Seems very odd. Yes. It seems outside the realm of uh, what you would expect.
1: Yeah. And their uh, chief technical officer had a uh, uh, thing out today that said, you know, I think that the security firms are not doing a favor to uh, consumers by not releasing this stuff right away. And they're okay. kind of too ideas behind that. One, if you release it out there and say, hey, this is a problem, you know, we're not going to do any proof of concept code, but we're going to tell you that there's a problem out there, then they feel that the companies are going to address the issues faster than if they had done it behind right. closed doors. But at the same time, there are a lot of really, really smart people out there who are looking for any kind of flaws to get into. And if you release this information saying, Hey, here's a general area of, you know, we're not going to give out proof of concept code, but here's a general area where there are issues with this product, and we're going to do it as soon as we found it. We're going to release it, and we're going to talk about it, and we're not really going to tell the, the, the manufacturers about it, which is the better model. Yeah. Uh, for me, it is definitely you, you talk to the manufacturers first. You do not give people ideas of stuff that you have found before you give these guys a chance to to work it out and, and, and do some security uh, patches and changes. But, you know, going back to the very basics of it, three out of the four are basically kind of BS in that you've already got to have administrative well, access to the machine to be able to implement these. Now, sure, if sure, they no, no, have no, primary on, hold on. infection. Okay, go ahead.
0: Uh, I agree that they're, they're, I would consider them secondary risks because it ha- has to be in a pre-compromised system because you have, or you, know, you have to have a really dumb user that's giving people root access. However, I do think that the potential to overwrite the firmware of the secure processor, regardless of whether or not you have root well, privileges, you is overwrite,
1: You can't overwrite the, the firmware of the secure processor. I thought that was you can overwrite point. the firmware of the system, and there could have secondary effects on that. But on the actual CPU itself with the little OS that's kind of built in there, it's, it's non-volatile. So you can't –
0: I'm pretty sure – well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll double check. But I'm pretty sure that yeah. it involved overwriting firmware, the firmware – Of the secure um, processor, um,
1: essentially the BIOS.
0: No, no, the BIOS. The BIOS is used to update the secure OS firmware itself. Yeah, that's why, like updating the BIOS, forces it to push the update to the secure OS firmware, which is then when you would have the problem because it's undetectable and in theory that firmware could prevent itself from being updated. Just like how there is – just
2: like how on the Intel side, as as part of some. I
1: think you're you're talking about like the AGESA code. Because the secure processor has kind of built-in stuff on the CPU level. It's not very big. It's not a large cache, but it's non-volatile. But like the Agisa code, you can change that, and then it will change the characteristics of the secure processor, but not the firmware of the secure processor. I mean, I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but I'm just trying to be accurate. Okay. Well, on the Intel side, I think where
2: Ryan was going was like, and what we think might be the case here is that what's the name of the Intel thing? I forgot. The, Intel management engine. Yeah. IME, IMEI yeah. or whatever. Um, you go to do a BIOS update on those systems. And as part of that BIOS update after the next reboot, like the IME will update its firmware. Something that you might have not thought would be a, a firmware updatable actually was if, as long as you had some signed, you know, signed binary or whatever the heck it, it needed. To be able to get in, yeah. Um, which I thought was something so, you know along the similar lines. They talk of this, about but,
0: having persistent malware on the secure OS processor yeah. itself. So how not would you, in how the would bias of the system,
1: right? Well, isn't that the part that requires the administrative privileges already? You've already have escalated privileges. You can write to this. There's some sort of shenanigans with the. It's accepting unsigned bytecode. But I
2: didn't see a confirmation of that. Yeah, but I think the mechanism is, so first you need admin to be able to update the BIOS on a system that could update the BIOS from within the OS. Right. In the first place. Now your BIOS package, your firmware that you're overriding there, would contain code that would in turn go in and try to hack into this Right, and that's supposed, be, that's supposed to be signed using public-private. It's supposed to be, but supposedly there is a way around it. Right. is part of what they're alluding to in in this paper,
1: yeah. Because right. like, if you're, you know, you're able to flash the firmware of a machine, you can do damn near. Yeah, you can do a lot of stuff to it. And right. so, yeah, it's just you know, I, I again, I'm it, I'm nitpicking there, but you know, like the AegisA code and stuff like that, you can adjust that and make changes that will bypass some of the things in the secure processor, even though the firmware. On the secure processor is 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 set. It just it can't be flashed. It's non-volatile. But yeah. there are workarounds. So this is kind of the issue that that we're talking about. And again, it's it's me splitting hairs, but it's what it is. But you know, if you've got that level of access already, you're kind of screwed. Now, one of the scenarios that I talked about is say you were able to compromise a machine, and then you were able to go in there, flash the firmware. Make these other changes that are pretty low level through administrative access and then remove the initial compromise so that when antiviruses or, you know, the regular IT workers look at it, it's like there's nothing wrong with this machine. Well, at a deep down level, there is mm-hmm. there. It's still compromised. Right, and so that's right. probably the scariest scenario. Of anyone, is that you could have this compromised machine that, for all intents and purposes, at the OS level, everything looks fine. Yeah, but correct. they're at such a deep level, they still have access to the machine
2: and, so that's actually, and
1: all these things. That's actually better than a rootkit. And that, that's
0: actually been exploited in the past. a
1: Yeah.
0: Say so again, Alex? Now,
1: uh, that's been exploited in the past, where you have the the Windows automatic uh, auto loader drivers that are bootstrapped through the BIOS. You know, and vendors can slipstream their own drivers in. Um, I believe that's been exploited in the wild, where people can insert, you know, malware into the auto loader. Mm. You wipe Windows, you reinstall. First thing it does
2: is you're still, reinstall it.
1: Yeah, you're still hacked.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Josh, so. What, what I think I want to wait till for, for next week at least is to – like AMD, I think we'll have an answer by the end of this week in terms of very, either validating or invalidating these things as even being possible and, and, the, and the proof of concepts that they put out. It seems unlikely at that, that case now that they've had you know two or three other security people come out and say, yes, we've looked at these POCs and they, and they seem like they're accurate. Um, and we'll also hear from Andy about what these fixes are. Do we just leave it at that for now? Like, is there, do we need to have hysteria, not have hysteria because of this stuff? And, you know, how much does the cloud of the other BS around it, you know, I guess, cloud up the the, the kind of potential security risk?
1: It's It's just, at this point, another potential infection that you could face if it gets gets past the primary stage or the the primary infection so somebody sends you a picture and it's not a picture and it says hey click this look at the size of those whatever on them and you open up this thing and and it That's says, Do you want to access this? And you click your, your little administrative yes icon because you really want to see the picture. And nothing shows up. And you're like, well, what the hell? This is a bust. And you shut down your machine. And you start it back up. And things seem to run a little slower. And you don't really care much about it. But you've got an infected machine. Right. And so as long as you can avoid that primary infection, these secondary ones are not going to matter. Now, I don't know enough about the Chimera aspect, right, which affect one. the chipset made by Asmedia. Apparently Asmedia made some backdoors in previous uh, chips that they kind of got into some trouble about, but I haven't heard a huge amount or um, or many uh, many actual instances of this being exploited, yeah. but it is a potential avenue that, again, I, I don't know enough about. I don't know how it can be. Affected. This is the one where I believe it is uh, somebody can inject it via a signed driver or an unsigned driver. I think it had uh, to be a signed driver. I don't know. Yeah. So it's uh that that one needs some more visibility on to see where we're at with that. But for the CPU stuff, it's all essentially things like you know to make programming a whole lot easier. We have all these things open as long as you have administrative access. Because you want your Microsoft Word to work. You want your games to work. I mean mean, how many games require administrative access to be able to do all the things that they need to do fairly simply?
0: All right. That's going to – again, we've talked too long about this one as well. We'll talk about it more next week once AMD kind of comes out with their official uh, uh, statement on this. We also want to get to another thing. Before we get to the other controversial topic of the week, uh, we have some patrons to get to. Cronarch edited their pledge from $10 to $11. Thank you, sir, for that. Why doesn't PCPer have a cat like Steve? Just edited their pledge from thirteen dollars to twenty dollars. Because Ryan You, you see my cat. I'm a. Well, that's true. Josh, Ryan, first, Josh brings cat on uh, to the podcast. That's true. And going. Ryan and is I just, Wait, this is really funny.
1: She just crawled under my legs. You guys need cat. Heard her name. Yeah, I am cat. the PC cat. Look at her. Took to kitty. Cat is not looking. The cat the is not looking at the, look look at at us. the camera.
0: Come, Come on, camera. cat. Look, cat. I'm right here. Adam, right here we also have uh there are four lights good job just pledged 399 uh i'm glad that ugly nerd steven is gone just pledged a dollar what <laughs> I don't know what the- Stephen Hawking, too
1: soon, too soon. Oh, oh
0: that oh. is too
1: soon. That's way too
2: soon. Wow.
0: And I said it out loud because I didn't know what I was oh referring to. All that for a dollar? That guy, whoever That's, you are, you can, you up can up the, have your dollar he back. He got his man. money's worth, I'll you tell can, you. got to get up that dollar. Uh, and Justin Owen edited their pledge from $3 to $4. So thank you, Justin, for that. All right, let's get into the next story here. This is uh, published by our good friend Kyle Ooh. at Heart OCP. Who hasn't been into...
1: any Winchester Bourbon at all? No, exactly. Nah.
0: Uh, So this is – I'll just read this post that Jeremy uh, wrote up on the site. It's about the GeForce Partner Program. Uh, HardSCP have posted an article looking at the brand-new GeForce Partner Program, which NVIDIA has announced, that has a striking resemblance to a certain Intel initiative, which turned out poorly. After investigating the details for several weeks, including attempts to talk with OEMs and add-in board partners, some serious concerns have been raised, including what seems to be a membership requirement to only sell NVIDIA GPUs in a product line which is aligned with GPP. As membership, the GPP offers, quote, high effort engineering engagements, early tech engagement, launch partner status, game bundling, sales rebate programs, social media and PR support, marketing reports, marketing development funds, end quote. This would cut out a company which chooses to sell competitors' products from quite a few things. At the time, NVIDIA has not responded to inquiries and the OEMs and AIBs, which uh, Kyle spoke to, declined to make any official comments. Off the record, there were some serious concerns about the legality of the project. Expect to hear more about this on various sites as they seek transparency, uh, which NVIDIA director John Teeple mentioned in his post. Um, I mean, this is like the equivalent of,
2: it would be a horrible thing if you were to, (laughs) you know, I mean, it really comes across like that. It does, yes. Um, You know, so it's not like they're just flat out saying so, uh, you know, that, oh, you can't sell anybody else's stuff. But it's like, but if you want to be in this program that you really should probably be in and you'd be at a significant disadvantage if you weren't in, uh, you know, compared to those other guys that that were that were paying their money. Yeah, <laughs> They were
1: paying their lunch money to the bully. Sure, well, sure, sure. You, you know, well, here's the thing, thing. Is, that, is that it wasn't really lunch money before. I mean, yeah. it, it was like you, you had a thing, you contract where you bought chips from these guys. They gave you support in designing your PCB and the memory and some of the specifications, or you could use their reference design. And that was it. Now, this is, you know what, if you're going to have a gaming brand, and you're going to use NVIDIA products for this. NVIDIA products will be the only products you can use for that gaming brand. So the classic example is is ROG Republic of Gamers. Yeah. Mm. So Asus has their ROG brand that has products from AMD, it's got products from Intel, it's got products from NVIDIA in both the graphics. It does. And
3: yes.
1: Chipset. Yep. And motherboard sides. And so suddenly ROG is now shrunk down into only Nvidia graphics cards. Motherboard, now that that hasn't happened, right? Like
0: that hasn't happened, right? Uh, No, I do not believe it has occurred yet. Right? No, but. but this thing unchecked could lead to
2: that. Is the point?
0: Yes. That, that based on Kyle's like reporting. So it's. it's a, I think it's important to note that like Nvidia has a blog up about this, and they claim the partner program helps gamers know what they're buying, right? And they talk about transparency. Um, I think you know, like the public perception that Nvidia wants of the GPP to exist is that hey, if you buy one of these products um, that is a GPP, that is a a GeForce partner, mm-hmm. you have some kind of of you know expectation of reliability or performance or engineering expertise or something to that effect i you know the fact that they say it helps gamers the, the one i have i have asked many questions to nvidia of this and have gotten zero responses back directly uh, but i haven't gone into any of the any of the asking aib stuff that kyle has gone into over the last week right. um And in my in my mind, kind of looking at what the program does, I don't see a benefit to the gamer here. Right. Right. Like unless unless NVIDIA comes out and claims that there were there was there was a lot of uh, uh, shoddy production or shoddy quality out there that we weren't proud of, Mm -hmm. then point me to those results. Right. Point me to those results and say, we're going to prevent this from occurring in the future. And they they don't do any of that. And we haven't seen that either. And I I would I would agree with that. I don't I don't look at the at the ecosystem and say, God, make sure you stay away from brand X because they're always bad products. Yeah. Um, Which I would think you would have if if that case, if that were really the case. Josh, did you hear anything else about what Kyle says in the story that might
3: stand out? You're muted. Nope. He's muted. 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 Still muted. <laughs> see, This is why people need to watch the video. Correct. The yeah, yeah. To yeah. Watch gems like the that. entire
1: video to see me struggling in real time. He <laughs> basically <laughs> turned into Beavis exactly for 100% of my time. Sure. Fair. Uh, so anyway, um, the problem is, is there is a lot of technical support. There's marketing dollars. There's social media support that NVIDIA has, you know, a pretty, pretty good amount of. And these things will be taken away from or, or not given to individuals or companies who will not go to this. I mean, MSI has a gaming brand. Um, Gigabyte has a gaming brand. Alienware. Mm-hmm. All of these guys have gaming brands. And suddenly, if if all these other, you know, these two other manufacturers are shut out of there, and all they have is is you know if if it's a gaming brand, it's Nvidia, yeah, and that's all there is to it.
0: Kyle does say in the chat that ASUS it's has crappy. already signed with with that. Yeah, no, that, that's that's, like, that's what that's what Kyle says. Speak. Um, I, and I think it's obvious to see what the problem would be if this program is being, you know, a uh, pitched as Kyle says, right? Like now, our AMD there'd be no Radeon products in Republic of Gamers, right? And now that doesn't mean, I don't think that would mean that Asus couldn't sell Radeon graphics cards. They'd either have, they'd have to be on, on in their own brand or something, or unless mm-hmm. they, I guess, I, I don't know. Kyle could answer that too. Like if they create a separate gaming brand, would that be allowed? Or would it be that you can't have any gaming brand specific? I don't so, think that would, that would seem impossible that. to me, but I don't think we know, know. that from what is there. Yeah, and this it's also pointing out this isn't just AIBs, but also like OEMs. Mm-hmm. Uh Kyle mentions Dell Lenovo, HP, these types of guys that So like the Alienware. So like an brand. alienware brand, if you wanted to be part of the GeForce partner program, in theory you wouldn't be allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And again, to be clear, NVIDIA NVIDIA says in their statements that it's a non-exclusive agreement, that you don't you don't have to stop selling competitive parts. Right. Um but
2: it, that seems contrary to what he keeps hearing a, from it's other, contrary
0: to every bit of evidence that that the Kyle has yeah. dug up and and Kyle's been doing this longer than I have um he's been involved in more of the 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 shady backroom dealings of this stuff than even I have do you, do you
1: remember his phantom console
0: yeah the issue, phantom console stuff that he
1: spent yeah hundreds of thousands of dollars and, in, and, in in legal
0: fees yeah and and he was Just right about the Intel – he was right about the Intel AMD working together on graphics stuff, right? It wasn't a licensing deal. It was a product purchase deal. But Kaby Lake G was a real product and it came out. And he tried to tell everybody about it a year before it came out and
3: nobody believed it. Six months, eight months before it came out or whatever. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you take NVIDIA's position at face value, yeah. hypothetically, and they are working with a company like Asus and ROG – and they're putting their marketing dollars and their social media influence into it. And they're, and they're promoting 1060 mobile laptops, gaming laptops with the 1060 mobile chipset. Yep. And, oh, it's great. And they're going to talk about gaming performance. They're going to show uh, Skyrim and – or not Skyrim. Uh, a more, more modern game, uh, De- uh, Destiny 2, whatever. Oh, look at this. It's great. And the consumer – and understanding that most consumers don't follow this stuff. Most consumers buying gaming laptops are not watching this podcast, reading hard OCP. They go to the store and they say, oh, I want an ROG laptop. I saw a commercial on it or something. Yeah. Oh, here, this one's cheaper. And they don't notice it doesn't have an NVIDIA logo. Let's say it's a Cabby-like G part, right? for example.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, Because yeah. that
3: has nothing to do with this, right? Um, and uh, they buy it and it doesn't perform to the same level that the commercial said. Okay, I can understand that, that that's NVIDIA's position. I don't agree. I think that's kind of sure. nonsense. but. Uh, I guess that's their point is they don't yeah. want – if they're going to put – if they're because they don't sell a lot of cards themselves. They have their, their flagship parts that they sell, but they rely on their partners. If they're going to put that effort into their marketing and into their development with their partners, they want to control that experience. Yeah. Again, I, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's going to play out practically. The other thing is – and I guess it is too late because some companies have already signed on. But let's say enough partners resist. And they don't get exclusive access. They don't get early access. They're not able to fine-tune the power delivery of the cards and the cooling. And now you've got a generation of, of uh, NVIDIA cards that come out that are not performing as well as they as the as the reference design. Yep. yep. So that that's a negative that NVIDIA that's blowback on NVIDIA now, that you've got a, a set of a generation of products that, that their partners are are having trouble with because they didn't get that exclusive yeah. access. And
0: I and I mean I think I think we can all agree that NVIDIA's goal really has been like they want to be the gaming PC brand mm-hmm. right they want GeForce to be that and i think i think they've actually done a really good job of already accomplishing that you know they they have a significant market share advantage even if you look at the last quarter where nvidia or amd had a 6 point bump it's still 66% nvidia um I listen to a lot of gaming podcasts that aren't PC-centric gaming podcasts, and all of them default to talking about GeForce. They talk about GFE. They talk about GeForce. They don't really talk about AMD and Radeon brands, you know, for whatever reason that may be. You know, years and years of marketing. Um, Is this just another, uh, you know, step to try to go down that path? Right? You know,
3: maybe does that? Well, they're they're also on the verge of uh, threats that they haven't had to deal with in several, in, in many years. They've got Kabulect yeah, like G. Kabulect G is an Intel. interesting
0: competitor. You know that really competes against like 1060 and below. Mm-hmm. It, but that's uh, the growth market. The mobile sure. gaming
3: is where they're going to make their money. I would
0: even say like your your you know theoretical example of of like the ROG system you go into Best Buy makes sense from like a systems standpoint. From, but from add-in cardboard add-in boards, it almost doesn't make sense to me because mm-hmm. if you're buying an add-in board, you you know it's ROG GeForce. GTX whatever, yeah, right. It's it's ROG, uh, you know, Radeon Vega 64 whatever, right? Th- there, it's not like they just call it. It's the ROG 1200, right? And you go buy that product. But I right? think
3: I think the 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 uh, discrete card is the is is the the uh, uh, collateral damage of something like this. I think this is clearly all about the mobile space. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Kyle says, you're right. The Cabulate G spawned this in its entirety. So NVIDIA, need, <laughs> NVIDIA feels the need to defend its territory that it has staked out, its market share that it's staked out, especially if you realize suddenly that Intel and AMD are going to team up together on stuff. Mm-hmm. That wasn't an option before. It wasn't a, something you had to deal with before. Um, so we'll see. Because they were mortal enemies until yeah.
1: Semi Custom came along yeah. and would deal with anyone.
0: All right, uh, let's move on. We got two more quick stories to talk about. We'll be following up with this, I imagine, for the rest of my life as well. <laughs> so, uh, this one, this is another hard OCP story. And I really just put this in here because I wanted to put the headline that uh, Jeremy wrote on here. And in retrospect, maybe it was a poor decision mm. on my part. Um, <laughs> if you're looking for advice on how to install a cool thread ripper, RSCP have quickly become the site to reference, and I would agree with that. Uh, they've benchmarked a the majority of the water blocks, comparable with AMD's big chips, as well as published videos on how to install it in motherboard. Today, the chip is out again. Uh, I the site is out. No, wait. I don't know what he's going to say again. That. This time, it is getting uh, with manually applied Tim facial. Mm. Uh, check out Kyle's tips on getting ready to coat your chip. But the best way to spread the Tim and ensure even
1: cooling. And Japan, the island entirely just
0: flipped over
1: after that entire reference.
0: Yeah. It's just so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's what happens. Uh, But there you go. That's a finger. It's just, yeah. I'm going to assume it's Kyle's finger. Doesn't doesn't the
1: oil from your finger... Uh, interfere with the the, the the thermal. A lot of that material. stuff is all based anyway. Suspended in
2: hey, Kyle I'm gonna but
0: play your not video not don't, don't send based. me a takedown no, notice. Well, it's <laughs> not it's not bodily oil based, yeah. Or or other bodily <laughs> fluid based. You don't know that. Well, have you seen the manufacturing plant? I don't know. Have you smelled <laughs> that, Tim? It smells like bleach. Let's see it. Where's that, where's that, oh
2: f- where's that finger? How do you get that on there so uh, even? Just like yeah. oh I just using his finger. Scraped it around with his
1: Finger,
0: okay. As long as he doesn't <laughs> lick it afterwards, yeah, it's yeah. probably. Okay. Do not yeah, he he Oh, he got a oh, yeah, you know got what? A glove no love, like a cheater. No love. What it's a a protection, man. He's got protection nope love, before he no went in. Come on. Yep. I think somebody should have Steve's cat should do this. <laughs> That's
2: the well, way she's He's really next.
1: scraping that around,
2: kind of hard. He
0: really is. He's rubbing it in, he's
1: rubbing it all over. He is I tell you what, it in. is.
0: It is. It does appear to be like cleaner. That is true. It's evenly distributed. And you can save that glove for repeat applications. Is is Uh, someone going to boost this
2: to
1: oddly satisfying tomorrow? You just turn it inside out.
2: It might already be on oddly satisfying.
0: Our last story of the day, FreeSync and FreeSync 2 coming to the Xbox. This is kind of a surprise announcement over the weekend. Uh, AMD's Antal Tungler was on the Xbox live stream, which was entirely too long, um, (laughs) where they announced that FreeSync... Two specifically was was going to be coming to the Xbox One S and the X, which allows compatible displays that accept FreeSync variable refresh rate over HDMI to work on these consoles. Now, that's great news. Keep in mind, no TVs actively support FreeSync. And the number of monitors that support uh, FreeSync over HDMI is smaller than otherwise. And, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of, um, I don't know if there are any, like, large form factor, large large design yeah. monitors to support HDMI over FreeSync. HDMI over FreeSync when it originally came out was kind of a... FreeSync H- over HDMI. Sorry. Yeah. FreeSync over HDMI was a little more of like a budget option, right? They were trying to get it to lower costs, which was which was great. But um, because it's an Xbox it doesn't have a display port output, you're limited to what HDMI is. Yep. So what I'd like to see is it will support HDR con- on content. It'll only go up to 60 hertz, right? So you're not going to get higher than 60 hertz output from the Xbox. Um, And I think the question is that I have been trying to get a person at Microsoft to answer at this point is what happens when you go below 30, right? A lot of the FreeSync HDMI displays don't even hit 30. They might be like 40 to 60 Mm -hmm. FPS ranges because, again, they're supposed to be on the lower-end cost uh, side of things. So do we have one that goes down to 30? And then you get in many games like – PUBG, for example, that dips below thirty pretty frequently, and that would especially on the S. Yeah, especially on the S, and that's like where you want FreeSync the most. You know, at at forty five you want it, and at twenty five you really want it. So, uh, are there? I need to do more research and see if there are FreeSync displays that have LFC over HDMI that only have that you know go below thirty because you have to go below thirty. You have to at least hit 30 in variable refresh in order to do LFC doubling up to 60, mm-hmm. right? So, And also I'm very curious, and I didn't get this answer. Do games have to be aware of this or does just the console need to be aware of this, right? Are, are, I imagine there are some games that do like lock 30 for a reason. Um, and if you suddenly just turned off VSync on those games, like at the driver level, Microsoft's driver level, that it may cause
3: some problems.
0: It would work pretty bad.
3: It, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was funny during this segment they specifically never said television, they said monitor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then when they
3: showed the setting in you know where it's gonna be in the settings, it was like a twenty four inch PC
0: On monitor. this Asus, yeah, on this Asus monitor. Uh-huh. So you can see the setting in there. And you know, if you have a monitor in your in your room and you have a gaming PC and a console hooked up to it, this is perfect. Um, but for the vast majority of people that are playing Xbox, they're not playing on monitors. Right. Now, if you, ha- if you suddenly told me there was a 50-inch, 40-inch monitor that had HDMI FreeSync that met all these requirements, especially if you get an HDR, now you're talking to a compelling, like, do you do that specifically for that capability?
2: Yeah. Well, there are some TVs that support FreeSync. No. Or well, adaptive, whatever you want to call it. Are there? Yeah, I thought there was a couple. I don't
0: think there are because the HDMI spec, the official HDMI spec doesn't have it in until – because adaptive sync is a DisplayPort standard. It's not until uh, HDMI. Two, like 1.4a. No, two point, like HDMI 2.1 will have a variable refresh in it. I but Ken you're not going to see that until the screens. very end of this year, probably 2019 TVs. Huh. Uh, we can look it up and see afterwards. But yeah, yeah. So I think this is really cool. I think don't get overly excited because like it's not. Oh, I'm I'm overly excited. Also about the whole LFC thing does it even support it because remember lfc is not driven it's not done by the display and free sync it's done by the driver yeah so did microsoft even like develop that part of the driver did they include it in there and again well, I hope I can't they it answer because that questions. would be
2: garbage because if you're trying to do a 30 well you
0: could just say between 30 and 60 it works but,
2: and, and but if you go below 30 don't go to 30 there are some displays
0: that go to 30 very few yeah that's mm-hmm. why I, there was the whole pretense of my discussion. Oh, so is that one? I don't think that display they were showing. I don't, even I don't know which display this is. It's an no. ASUS display of some kind. But are we? Do we have any boxes that are in the alpha ring for the insider? No, and I've been trying to get one added to it. Yeah,
3: for so, that's the other caveat. Is this is only coming out? I think this coming week for yeah. the alpha yeah. ring. So the very invite only highest. Uh, and again, I've ring. gone
0: to AMD and I said, "Hey, get, here's my account address. Please, please put me on that advanced ring." If you have an HDR FreeSync display that you think works with this, send it to me so I have that because I've got all the older ones. Yep. So we'll see. Hopefully, next couple of weeks we'll know for sure. All right, <sighs> the long one. Let's get to our picks of the week. I'm going to go first this time because I'm ready and prepared. You ready for this? It's a dumb name. How about Basta Computing and an app called ZMover? And this sounds 19- like something I would recommend to you, This 1999 uh, website that is, has two is cows it kind of like uh,
1: are oh, the nubbins with C Mover? It's
0: close to Nubbins. It's so
1: close it's actually nubbins.
0: it's That's actually a really interesting uh application, right? So we were talking about thirty four forty. Is there by, even a sc-
2: there's a screenshot there or no? Is 20? there really not screenshots
0: there? No, there is. But it looked okay. like that. Oh, oh. well. That's- so imagine you had multi monitor and or you had an ultra wide, and uh, uh, the you know you open up application windows and they kind of reset and move, but you have them in a nice spot where you love them to be. Yeah, like all these things we formatted. I this love way. them. This allows you to set everything up the way you want, and you open up this application and you basically uh, drag and drop, you know, you, this little icon right here over to the window. It imports the window settings and kind of recognizes it. You say, I want to remember I want you to remember the set position, the set size, the set uh state, you know, whether or not it's uh, uh restored or you can or whatever. make it on top of other stuff. Like, yeah, you can yeah, create layers other... of things. Yep. Um and then you hit okay. And then once you've done all that with all of your windows, you hit this button here and it will move everything into that spot. Yep. Right. Or it'll do it all the time. Like you can, do or you can different. have it pull every once in a while, yeah. and it will move things around. To me, this is really useful as I just started at home, started using um, this laptop with one of those Thunderbolt docks with an ultra wide monitor attached to it. So mm-hmm. when I'm only on my laptop, I just full screen everything, and it's fine. Obviously, that's a useless thing to have, and you know, unplugging displays all the time creates this mass, uh, like. Windows Uh, all over the place in the wrong place. I I get, I get like physically angry about (laughs) how things don't go back into the place where they were because Windows should be smarter than that. And it's not. So, because of that, you have to buy this $20 application um, that does that. One button push, all the windows go to where I want. And it is handy. And it's super handy to have. Uh, The other one I tried before this, what was it called, Jim? Display Fusion. Display Fusion. It allowed you to create virtual monitors inside your ultra wide. that you could then full screen into, but if you didn't want to full screen into them, but it also didn't remember and redo okay. everything, so you yeah. still had to drag it full screen, it drag it full screen, it you know right. whatever you wanted to do. Right. So, um, so there you go. It's Basta B A S T A computing, and the app is called Z Mover. The letter Z Mover, all one word. So it's three point five megabytes. It's tidy, up. and it, you can download it through Two Cows. Because it's 1999. I, it I don't know what else to for. say. I, I actually I clicked on the link because I wanted to know if that website even still existed, and apparently it does.
2: That application has been around and has been like 20 bucks
0: since like Windows
2: 95.
1: Yeah. Well, you know,
2: uh, uh, it's a newer version now. But Alan, you know, if, if, you if you're on to charging? something
1: good, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Who's yeah, up that's, next? That's me,
2: Alan. What do you got? Uh, so I was looking for a thin, cheap wireless charging pad. And this is the thinnest one I could find so far, barring getting off of eBay, somebody who just sells you the coil and a a PCB that sits off to the side. (laughs) It seems fine. fine. Don't get me wrong. That is a thinner version. Yeah. But this was the thinnest one I could find where everything is just all in one, uh, like, I don't know if it's waterproof or just water-resistant package. They show pictures in the thing where there's, like, water sprayed on it. No, I don't think there's really any seams on the thing for water to get in anyway. Do, do people, um,
1: like, confuse this for,
2: like, a coaster or something? Possibly, maybe, this is what they think about. I don't know. But it's uh, three and a half millimeters thick, which is pretty darn thin for,
3: uh, for a charger.
0: Somebody in the chat just told me that Two Cows owns Hover.
3: I thought what? it was – I knew they were related. I thought it was the other way around. But says I would that, think it's the other way around. Uh, it says, yep,
0: Two Cows owners also own Hover. Yeah. Oh,
3: okay. Well, what? My mind
0: is blown. Anyway, continue. Anyway, sorry. Uh, 20, 20 bucks.
2: <laughs> 20 bucks. Wireless charger. Uh, really thin. Uh, no chat room. It does not charge your energy drink. Um, <laughs> if
0: it refilled it, that would
2: be fantastic. Would it may magnetically resonate it at a specific frequency if it thinks it's a phone. 20 but, bucks? Um, not too bad? It's 20 bucks. You know, it's not bad. It's just a USB. You know, I think it charges it uh, yeah, it's seven and a half watts. You can put it in your What? Yeah, see how, that's how thin it is. It's super thin.
0: okay. They're just showing that as a thinness, not yeah. as a, you should keep this in like your like wallet. Like, just carry this in your wallet, it'd be kind of dumb, <laughs> since the cord
2: is, the cord is like three or four feet long, so it'd be kind of stupid to have a cord yeah. hanging out of your back pocket, but yeah, super thin, like, it may, maybe if you wanted to, like, embed some chargers into some other things, like into, like, a tabletop, Fair. or like, you know, you wouldn't have to take that mater- that much material
0: off. Did you measure what the speed of the charge was?
2: I mean, seven and a half watts, what do you mean?
0: Okay. It goes up to seven and a half watts. Yeah,
2: that's, that's the max it's supposed to be all delivered. Okay. I think it's. Draw. Is that the max
0: of what, like the, what the iPhone does or the mm, Samsung phones? No, those they will go do, higher.
2: Those will do 10, okay. I think. But, you know, it's close. And you, it's kind yeah. of some of a compromise for being as thin as it is. Sure. All right. There you yep.
0: go. Uh, who's got the Cisco?
2: Uh, well, there's only one other
0: check on the list. That's Josh. Yeah. Let's see if he's unmuted or not. Nope, he's looking at the button. There he goes. (laughs) I, I don't. I'm gonna get you a physical
1: button for this. (sighs) Let me change my orange background so I don't look like a zombie. See, much better.
0: Zombie, nice.
1: (laughs) Anyway, you know, I didn't realize that Cisco actually produced routers at this price level. Not only do they have a $45 one, but they've got like a $29 one. I don't feel comfortable with the $29 one, so I got the 40 See, look, you already got $70 bucks off instantly of $39. Sure, anyway. But anyway, uh, metal case. Nice. Cisco quality.
0: I would like to point out all three of the pictures that Amazon has included here are mm-hmm. identical.
1: <laughs> Outstanding, strong work, Amazon so anyway right. yeah it's uh you know what eight port switches are inexpensive they are 40 bucks is not that much more expensive than other eight port switches and oh it's God. a cisco so
0: yeah if give a, a shot big business, if you want some a little higher end don't buy this if, if you're, you're a big, big business, business you can't buy it yeah, That's no, only for small yeah business. and if you're a consumer f you still can't buy it it's
2: no. only for small business no. you have to buy the
0: Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you, I was about to say this. This is just like a, a Netgear router. Yeah, well, it's that just I, like a I blue blue net gear router. Yeah, wonder why which, that is. It's not possible. This uh, one is for small business. Yeah, but it's Cisco. Uh, they make a
3: five. Right, is Don't it, it, it the name? Is it actually Cisco, or is it just like their Linksys stuff that has the nice branding? Yeah, it's probably Linksys I mean, stuff that has the nice branding. I mean, they're both <laughs> kind of the same at this point.
2: <laughs> it's an eight-port.
3: You could switch for 40 bucks. I mean, right. who cares? Well, I've gone through a number of switches. Actually. I have gone
0: through a number of switches here as well. Yes. All right. All right well, thank you guys uh, for joining us. pcper.com slash podcast is the URL you can go to if you want to see more lengthy discussions about technology and news. Uh, We'll have our links to the videos, the MP3s, the RSS, all the show notes that we talked about, links, all the stories we talked about are all included there, including our picks of the week if any of those sounded interesting to you. We appreciate everybody's support. Uh, Hold on, before I completely cancel out, we did have a new pledge from Space Jam Flam. Pledge $3. Thank you, Space Jam Flam. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, And uh, with that, everybody, we will see you next week with another episode of the podcast. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks to HelloFresh.com for supporting PC Perspective. Receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PCPER30.